You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for choosing to spend your time with me. You know I really appreciate it. A lot. Like a lot, a lot. I'll try to keep this one relatively short so we can get right into the episode. I know I've had some long ones lately. But uh, first of all, I want to say huge thank you to everyone. The response on the record has been absolutely insane. I never in a million years would have expected to get this many messages about something that's so out there and some really, you know, deeper and more thoughtful conversations have sprung out of it than I than I ever anticipated. So thank you so much for, well, for just checking it out in general, taking the time to give it a good listen. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's really blown me away. If you want to follow... The musical project on Instagram, you can check out at American Cyclops. I'm posting a bunch of weird imagery and just kind of being a little more artsy than I normally would on the Tone Mob page. And yeah, it's been absolutely insane. So if you want to message me, uh, you can message me wherever you normally talk to me at, or you can text me directly at 503-751-8577. And by opting into that, uh, we'll be texting each other back and forth. It's really me. Nobody else is involved. Uh, all the messaging rates do apply, and you'll have to answer a few automated questions. But after that, it's all me all the time, baby. And yeah, some of the conversations I've been having over there with regards to the album has been insane. And if you aren't sure what I'm talking about and you haven't heard any of my music, the episode just previous to this is actually the record. It's the release, and you can go listen to the whole thing there if you like weird, ambient, cinematic type stuff. Okay, let's get into this episode. Let me give you a quick intro to Nedarb Braden is his, is his name, but he goes by Nedarb all over the interwebs. He's most well known for being a producer in the hip-hop world, uh, goth boy click, that kind of thing. If you're not really that familiar with that, you can do some Googling and you'll figure it out. He did a lot of like a lot, a lot of production with Lil Peep, and he is a, a real important force in that world. But the reason I got familiar with him is because he has a, I don't know what, what the term would be, I guess for lack of a better term, a screamo project called If I Die First, and they put out an EP last year that I absolutely love. It became one of my go-to uh, lifting records, and I just thought it sounded phenomenal. And he tells me all about it, and what is so insane is I think it's a fantastic-sounding record, and as with most of his music, he did it all in the box, or they did it all in the box, and that is kind of the opposite approach from what I normally do, so it's interesting to hear what's possible with this stuff, and uh, 
yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally once in a while. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have somebody I've been very excited to talk to, Ned Arb. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, man. I'm so pumped about this. Yes, this thank, the, thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Um, so for my guests who may not be as familiar with you as they should be, uh, that this might be a good point to like really dig into your backstory because you know I'm I don't know all about it but I think you've got a really interesting tale especially for somebody who ended up coming you know ended up in a rock band yeah um, through, through very non traditional means I would say so maybe yeah, we start yeah. when did you start making music when did you when did that become <clears throat> like a driver um, for you I've been into music since I was super young uh my uncle liam which is my middle name liam my dad's younger brother he was in like metal and hardcore punk bands like his whole life pretty much and uh when i was like maybe four years old he dropped off a drum set at my house and in my basement where where i grew up in canada i'm from like a town in canada um called medicine hat alberta Mm -hmm. it's like a pretty medium-sized town um but I moved to the States in fifth grade. But yeah, back then, like I was just banging on pots and pans. And my uncle was like, you sound like you want to be a drummer. So here's this drum set. So I started messing around on drums when I was young, like super young. And then we moved and I couldn't bring the drum set. So in fifth grade, going into sixth grade, I uh, asked my parents for like one of those like Ibanez like bass starter packs, you know, mm-hmm. with like the Ibanez bass with the little amp or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I remember I barely knew how to play, but I had two homies, one homie who played drums and another homie who barely knew guitar and like classic tale just got together and just jammed nonsense in a band uh that we called revenge without reason which is really just assault (laughs) it doesn't really make any sense revenge without reason is like like physical assault with like no no reason like super funny but we were just homicide i think exactly we were just trying to do like um you know like blink 182 type music in sixth grade so that was like my first little band and then uh in high school i did i did that little like sixth grade band for like a year or two just making like recordings like there was like i think my family had a desktop and back then the website splice these days back then you could record on it through like um just like the headphone jack in your computer so oh, yeah. I would just set up a, a little skull candy headphone next to like my little kicker amp or whatever and just play as the drums were going. So then I was doing that. And then in high school, <clears throat> in high school, I uh, got better at guitar. I was I taught myself guitar and bass and I still knew how to play drums a little bit. Um, and then I started a band in high school. Just like a post-hardcore screamo band, um, 
we were called Castaway Keys. <laughs> and we played like a few shows, like a few like Battle of the Bands in high school and up in New Hampshire. I went to high school in New Hampshire. Um, so I was in like a screamo band back then too. We sucked though. Like, don't look it up. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it might be out there somewhere, but I don't think anybody will be able to find it. But yeah, I was doing that. And then also, um, in high school and junior high is when I got really into like hip hop too. And like, not a lot of kids where I grew up were li- really listening to hip hop. It was very, a very white area, like super white area. And so it was like, it was like it was like weird for them like they didn't even understand it and stuff and so i put on i put a lot of people on to hip hop that i was listening to back then and um i i uh was even in like a rap group in high school and i remember i would sometimes uh make beats on garage bands so i was like in this band and then i also like was rapping and then like making beats but i don't consider that the start of like my producing career so that was like through high school and then um I went to college in Wisconsin at this college called St. Norbert um just like small liberal arts school that my dad uh worked at he was like a women's hockey coach uh women's hockey coach growing up mm-hmm. so like he would coach different colleges like in high school he worked at Dartmouth but like I was not smart enough to get into Dartmouth <laughs> and then he ended up <laughs> moving schools so that's why i went there and then there i kind of took a break from like making music uh and i was i had a friend who was like an indie rapper his name was milo and he actually lives in nashville um and so in college i would act as his like uh makeshift tour manager or like a booking agent even and like because we would reach out to venues and spaces and art galleries to like book people book us but like they weren't taking us seriously unless we had like a fake like representative so i was like Uh i was that (laughs) guy like hey i guess i'm like his manager or whatever you know and so um we would have school like we have class on the weekdays and then on weekends we would do little like um like weekend runs in the midwest like play like play go open a show like in minnesota at one of the venues up there and uh in minneapolis and then go to like madison wisconsin and then like milwaukee and so my school was in like green bay so it wasn't too crazy of drives but we would do like little weekend tours or whatever so i was doing that um for a while and then um i ended up dropping out of college and then like uh, I was just, this was in a period of time when I was in Wisconsin, I was kind of like lost and didn't really know like what to do. And, uh, my homie who I was working with Milo, he had moved to Wisconsin or, uh, Milwaukee. So I just moved up to Milwaukee and then I got into booking shows in Wisconsin. So I was like finding, I was the one now like hosting the shows and just finding little spaces to and I'd put together a lot of like indie hip hop shows and like there would be noise artists sometimes. Um, and yeah, so that was from like 2010 to like 2014, just like bouncing around Wisconsin, like not really like making music, but being involved in it somehow. And then um, I decided in 2014, like, and I'm just going to like move to Los Angeles and I need to tell my parents a reason why I'm going to go there. So, 
I like re-enrolled into school to this school called Woodbury um, University in Burbank. And uh, but shortly before I moved to Los Angeles, while I was in Wisconsin in January of 2014, I I was living in Madison at the time because I had a girlfriend there. And I had a buddy named Ian and he was like the local producer. Like he was the guy, like he was really good at making beats. He made beats for all the local artists. And I'd always wanted to make beats. And I was really into um, this producer, Clams Casino, a lot who makes like these crazy atmospheric, like cloudy, like dreamy beats. And I wanted to be like a ripoff Clams Casino. So I had my homie just show me Ableton for a day and then... I was like, and I'm going to be a producer. So I just taught myself the rest. And then, uh, yeah. So then when I moved to LA, I was kind of decent at beats. And then, um, so yeah, then when I was there for the past, I mean, I've been, I've been in LA since 2014. So almost seven years or seven years. Yeah. I've just been making beats and just like, you know, got really into uh, the hip hop world and uh, I ended up leaving that school after two semesters anyways, and then was just working odd jobs like at Starbucks and different coffee, or different, yeah, coffee shops and pizza places and stuff. And uh, was just making my music. And then I stopped working and then have just been only making music since like 2016. That's amazing. And then, yeah, was making beats for a while. And then I... And then a few years ago, I was like, let me try to start a band. And uh, I would try to make like little like guitar and bass demos on Ableton. And but nothing ever really came together. Um, I couldn't find a practice space in L.A. is like really hard to find. You can't like play in your house because it's too loud. So you have to rent these like super expensive spaces. And like I I never had money for that. Um, But yeah, then last year, you know, I... Um, started If I Die First just at my house and then the drums were just programmed at first and uh, and then we were lucky enough to add Travis into the band and he owns like a venue in LA called 1720 like the best venue out here and so we just end up being able to practice there we got super lucky for free so yeah that's kind of like the story of how I got into music it's a I know there's a, a lot of details in there, you know. Yeah, you, that's like the <laughs> short, short. That's version. the very, the very short version. So, if I die first, I think is is a really interesting like to outsiders. It's yeah. like, wait, these guys are doing this. Like, right. it probably threw people off. I imagine when you first released that, right? Yeah, I mean a little bit, because um, like the beats I make, like I'm mainly known for being a producer for peep and a lot of other people in goth boy click and a lot of people in this realm of like pseudo pop punk emo music but it's hip-hop at the end of the day um right so that's like uh a lot of my all of my influence in music comes from post-hardcore well not all i i'm I'm into all sorts of music, but like the things I would sample in beats a lot were, you know, bands and and music like what I play now um, is like basically influenced from. So people like, they, I think my 
people I know and like my fans, they weren't like surprised, but like really stoked. And they're like, oh, this makes sense. And then, but other people like, I know like obviously hardcore is like a huge thing, but there's not a lot of like, like real post hardcore, like screamo bands right now or like stuff that leans on like the emo side aside from maybe like, at least that I know of, at least ones that are like making a little bit of noise. Aside from like Static Dress, who's really awesome, I'm not sure if you know them, mm-hmm. but yeah, Static Dress. And then there's bands like kind of closer to our realm, like CU Space Cowboy and Wrist Meat Razor, even though they're like heavier and lean more towards like the hardcore like scene, but they definitely have like similar elements to us. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to play the music that I was inspired by growing up and really loved and was able to find all of us, like me, Lotus, and Zubin. Um, that's like our world where we came from. And Zubin used to play in bands too. Lotus has always played in bands, metalcore bands. And a lot of people don't know that we all actually were in bands before we were doing like beats and singing over beats. And then, you know, got lucky enough to link up with Travis and Derek from first to last somehow, which right. was like my favorite <laughs> band growing up. So that's pretty sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's exciting to me. I I don't know if you've heard this one before, but uh, I my go-to for the last few years when I'm going to like try to hit a PR on a squad or something is uh, I, I fire up No Serenity. Oh, uh, sick. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. And it works. Oh, that's that's sick. (laughs) It gives me like that extra. Well, you'll like some of the, um, we have this one song we made, um, this new song. We have two new songs where we were tuning in Drop C, where we were trying to get a little heavier. And one of them is like really heavy. I think, I think that'll work for the squats too. Nice. Nice. But yeah, it's, I wanted to talk to you because I knew that like, I, I kind of knew generally that's where the story was. And then, I mean, it's this probably sounds kind of insane to hear somebody say, but like, I'm guessing most of my listeners don't know Lil Peep. Right. I'm, I'm like, that's just not the world. Like, I look, I can see on Spotify, like the artists that, that are, that my listeners listen to. Right. And, and it's like Jimi Hendrix, the Beatles, you yeah. know, uh, uh, Covet's been coming up a lot more since, that's been on the show so much but um yeah and so i'm like i don't know if people realize like how impactful that was to yeah a certain generation of kids super super impactful like it still blows me away honestly and it gets more and more impactful each year a lot of people are finding out about it which i think is cool like a lot of people think it's like lame that people find out after somebody passes but I think it just shows the music is timeless, but yeah, listeners, you know, go check out Lil Peep. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you like? Is it because you guys grew up listening to like the post hardcore and emo stuff? Is that like <clears throat> there seems to be this real common thread with all of you guys where you kind of found hip hop after the fact? And yeah, it's funny how it all happened to all of you at the same time, and you're kind of close-ish to the same age as well. Yeah, I'm just I, a touch older, and so yeah. I missed that. Yeah, uh, I had all all of us always like knew hip hop. Um, 
like in rap i'm like i'm like a hip-hop head like i know everything <laughs> about rap <laughs> and the history like i made sure to study that when i got involved so i knew how to pay proper respects but but yeah i, I guess like uh, i know peep probably listened to more rap than even i did and uh, i probably knew like more like deep bands than he might have um but yeah i guess yeah that's true we all like were making yeah we were all into hip-hop like uh or bands first basically primarily and then yeah got into rap and then now a lot of people i know are starting bands that came from uh the like hip hop scene that I'm in, there's a lot of like new bands of people that I know that um, are doing that. Is it like it? it it's really because I'm just kind of speaking from somebody with no experience in creating hip hop. Well, I played guitar on one track one time, but that was kind yeah. of a different thing. But I have to imagine the performance aspect is some is like a little more visceral with the band, a little more I don't know violent for lack of a better term. Like you're. I always see bands kind of, and the ones that really put on a show are really going for it. And mm-hmm. it seems a little bit different than putting a show on in the hip hop world. What's your take on um, it? Yes and no. I think it depends who the artist is. Uh, if you're a really good hip hop artist, you go crazy. You you know how to get mosh bits happen. Every show I've ever done DJing, there'll be, if it's not like a club or something, and it's like, because I used to be like Ghost Mains DJ, and he started off as primarily a rapper, and now his stuff has turned into pretty much like, like new metal y, like, uh, like industrial type. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think you can, uh, I think you can do similar things. There's just less people involved on stage. Like, I can get a, I can get a show just as, as crazy as a rock show if you just know how to control the crowd well enough um but you know some hip-hop people can't do that some people can um but i don't know i think i think there's a similar energy that can be reached between both worlds the the ghost main trajectory has been interesting to watch Mm -hmm. like 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 you said watching his kind of transformation into like almost like a nine inch nails. Type yeah. Of that's like one of his biggest influences. He, he loves, he loves Trent Reznor. Gotcha. I love that. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really interested to see how many like, uh, guitar players and metal fans really picked up on his last record. Um, it's sick. Is- he wrote that whole thing himself too. That's like all him. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's an, and it's a crazy piece of music too. Like it, there's it a lot going on. There's a lot happening. A lot, a lot, a lot. So who are some of your favorite people just in general right now, whether you just like to listen to them or feeling real inspired by, or you like working with them or like insert people, whatever, anybody, like, um, anybody. Lately I listened to like on my spotify i probably listen to black marble like more than anything mm-hmm. um uh black marble i've been listening to a lot i've been back in my phase where i'm listening to a lot of boys night out uh, i love boys night out um what else do i have in here i'm listening to the new playboy cardi album i was listening i've been what have i been listening to uh i listen to a lot of static dress um what else do I listen to? I like just switched to Spotify from Apple Music, so I'm like learning how to like 
like navigate it. Oh yeah. Um, I really listen to the same music that I've listened to like my whole like life, pretty much. Um, it hasn't really changed. I listen to a lot of title fight, basement, a lot of shoegazy type stuff. I'm working on like a shoegaze side project too. Um, I oh, like a lot of oh yeah. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, it's really sick. Actually, I have two songs made so far, um, and then I I listen to a lot of like post rock, like Mogwai and uh, like Explosions in the Sky. This will destroy you. I love this will destroy you. Yeah, they're so good. Uh, if these trees could talk, Cigaro, Mum. I like like Thun- I've been listening to Thundercats last album a lot. Um, I always listen to Clams Casino. Um, we kind of all over the place sometimes. I'm going to have to send you some of the weird stuff I've been doing. I finally like have come out of the listeners are probably getting tired of me talking about this, but I, I finally like kind of set a thing late last year where I was like, I'm going to have an EP out and I'm, and I've already said, I'm, I'm going to miss the deadline I set for myself. Cause I got a little more ambitious than I thought I was going to, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't sure what it was gonna what it was gonna be, and it's turned into just like this weird instrumental shoegazy like mess. But I mean, it kind of makes sick. sense. I've I've got so many pedals. Yeah, <laughs> that's just what's gonna happen when a guy has yeah so many weird pedals. But I'll I'll just send you a couple tracks. See what yes. you think. I'll send you my little side thing too. It's just guitar and bass so far. I'm gonna go record. Um, drums myself probably like in two weeks uh yeah i'm gonna just make it like a one-man project but that sounds sick too you you did you end up sticking with the drums over time or or did you pick Um, them back i mean i never i never got a drum set again my i still haven't i'm about to buy one now because my new house i have i have this like crazy attic that has a bunch of space so i'm turning it into like a full-blown studio for all sorts of music nice so I think I'm going to buy myself um, a drum set again and uh, just learn how to record drums pretty well. I'll have Travis show me because we just figured out how to... Because our first If I Die first record is like, those are programmed drums. Mm-hmm. But um, everything now is all real. Uh, we just did that because we didn't know how to record without spending hell of money. Um, but yeah. I never got back into drums aside from like playing on my friend's kids. Right. So what was the recording process like for that? If I die first record. Um, it was like, so one night I was with Zubin and our old bassist, Nolan, um, who's who plays bass for ghost Um, we were at my house in Highland park and we were, just like we wanted to make some music and we were like you know what let's let's just make a band song like we never we didn't even have like a like a idea of a band yet or anything and um i just i plugged my guitar i have this like gibson sg i just plugged it straight in straight di into my focus right and ableton and uh i have these like uh these plugins like the stl tonality mm-hmm. plugins um, and I was using this Howard Benson one and this Will Putney one, and I found some decent presets or whatever. And I just recorded um, to Metronome. I basically I wrote like what is now the song "Bearing a Parent," 
wrote that like all the way through um bassist laid down bass uh and then zubin just sang on it um not the same lyrics as what's on that song now but something else and so the song was just guitar bass and singing and we were like this is pretty sick like you know and then i was like as the days went on and i listened to the song more and marinated more i was like i'm gonna turn this into like a real project um so then hit up lotus and i'd been talking to lotus about making band stuff we had tried to make like little band demos prior but nothing that was ever complete so he heard it and was really into it and then i um i was i've been friends with travis for like a couple years now just through uh playing shows at his venue and i knew he knew how to program drums and i was like yo do you want to um try like helping us make this a real song um and he this is when he wasn't in the band the band was just me lotus zubin our old bassist nolan and that was pretty much it and then we had this guy named doves who was in gothboy click too and he was gonna play synths in the band um but we ended up um, ditching that idea and just having Zubin play since for that record. There's like a few little keyboard and synth parts. He, now he plays bass. Um, and then we had a, a drummer named Kale who didn't play on, on the record, but he helped Travis with programming him. And then he would practice with us a lot. But we ended up uh, sidebar, like splitting off from Nolan and Kale, who both play in Ghost, just because like our schedule conflicts are going to be too insane when like touring comes back um, and we don't want to like rush to have fill-ins. So anyways, back to the story. I We made the bearing a parent thing, um, finished that. And then at the same time started uh, recording the where needles and lovers collide. So basically I, I make all the guitar. I just write it to metronome. I send all the stems of the guitar and bass to Travis and, uh, he shortly joined the band after he was like, let me be in this band. He, <laughs> like, okay. he mixes it. Yeah. I was like, duh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he mixes, he mixes all of it down, all of the guitar and bass. And then he adds it, adds the drums for this album and then sends it back to me, Zubin and Lotus um, remotely. We weren't even together because uh, of COVID at the start. So we were all kind of like spread apart. And then, um, he would just send us an instrumental. My two homies would come over and we would just record vocals on them, send back the stems to Travis, mixes them, and boom, a song's done. So that's that was kind of the process for each song. The Where's Needles and Lovers Collide song, I had that riff wrote for maybe like two years prior, that whole song. Um, so that one was easy. And then, yeah, we made a bunch more. And then that's what became the EP. It was pretty much just sending stems to Travis and him sending them back. And then, yeah, started practicing a lot at his venue. And that's how that EP came about. It's kind of amazing that like, you know, I look back to, and I'm sure, you know, like back in the day when you were listening to bands and records and stuff and never in a million years, would you think that you could produce something, you know, of that quality and not actually be in like a full blown like nice studio all together do it you know like you can produce some amazing things now from various people's bedrooms it's kind of yeah we didn't we didn't use any um hardware at all for that whole album like none of it is 
miking amps. None of it is pedals or <laughs> anything. It's just like Ableton. It's just Ableton and uh, finding insane plugins like like pedal plugins and amp simulation and and it's honestly the easiest way to do it and cheapest way to do it right now especially in this time so yeah for sure yeah the plugins are definitely super digital they're they're insanely good i and i i don't use hardly any because i'm spoiled and i have you know a place i can go turn up loud whenever i want and yeah and you know that's not most people's reality and i can be hella loud where i was living like screaming wise i didn't have i lived in like another house Mm -hmm. but as far as drums and guitar could be pretty loud too but like i said travis had all the gear like since i became i just started being in the band world again i i just have guitars and amps like i don't even have many pedals yet again he has all that and like for us the ep we're working on now um we're using like some a little bit more hardware stuff but still primarily just on the computer and um and then we just record drums over at the venue too now yeah it's a it's an amazing amazing world we live in the stuff you're able to do and i'm you know i'm usually the old man like you gotta get the real thing but like you know that record sounds awesome (laughs) thank you i i I appreciate that i've been listening to it ever since i found i mean if we can get if we can get a budget and go into a studio but we're just trying to save money (laughs) right like that's why we didn't have real drums on the first one we were like we found out the quotes of drum studios in LA and we were like, well, we figured out how to record drums ourselves, just miking them and trial and error. So, but yeah, we just, if we get a budget or get signed or something, that would be what we do. Go into the real studio and do all that for now. We're just doing it makeshift DIY. So yeah, you might have an interesting perspective on this. So like, this is something I, I get into on, any episode where somebody's had, you know, any kind of career in the music industry and been able to support themselves off of their music primarily. Yeah. It's like, you know, I have a viewpoint of like, I don't know if labels are a hundred percent necessary anymore. You know, look at what you're able to do on your own, like DIY style. I mean, last I looked, you, you know, just on your own stuff, you had like 1.8 million Spotify listeners <laughs> You know, like, yeah, it's pretty amazing what you can do if you just do it. What's yeah. your perspective? Like, do you think that stuff is necessary anymore? Or what would you suggest to somebody? If, 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 uh, lab- if like labels and stuff are necessary? Yeah. Um, no, not at all. I don't think so at all. I think labels a lot of the times are pointless unless they're offering some, some, some resources that, uh, you can't obtain yourself or if they have if they're good at like marketing or whatever the hell but um i'm my whole career i've never been signed and i'm doing okay and um i mean i have a manager and a lawyer i didn't even have a manager till last year i didn't have a lawyer till like a year or two ago um but yeah i mean we our band at least wants to get signed because uh, we want more of a budget to to make things even crazier but as far as getting popping and stuff like mm-hmm. i don't think you need one to to blow you up if anything they want to label these days wants to see what you can do on your own before they even sign you like ghost man still isn't signed 
like yeah that's all just him he's huge uh, (laughs) and there's like a lot of uh a lot of labels now main thing they offer is just like playlisting on spotify so um i mean our band's doing pretty well like not to toot our own horn but for not being signed or anything and we just distribute our, our stuff on DistroKid, which is just like a distribution website where you just pay literally like $15 a year and then you can upload as much stuff as you want and to all platforms and they take a very small percentage. Um, so that's just how we've been doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's who I was looking at using too. I mean, I, uh-huh. this will be the first thing I've ever done on my own and it was just like, I don't know. They seem to make the most sense for, especially if you're going to be trying to release a lot of stuff, which is, I, I kind of want to, you know, I want to, I want to start releasing a lot of stuff, you know, moving forward. Cause I, you know, I kind of stifled myself creatively for so long. Cause it's like the things I would make, they don't sound anything like what I listen to. And yeah. And so it was hard for me. I'm like, is this it? is this any good? This doesn't sound like thrice, (laughs) you know, like this doesn't sound like, you know, any of the bands I'm into, uh, or artists I, that I queue up on my own. I mean, not like it's completely like, and totally not in the same realm, but it's like, I'm trying to do one thing and something else is coming out. And my wife just kind of said like, well, that's maybe that's what you make. Like, stop, stop fighting it. Mm -hmm. Like just make, things and you know they sound cool to me and maybe other people like them too i'm like okay i'll make my weird horror movie music i don't know what this is you know but uh but yeah but what yeah for you like was there like an aha moment where you're like oh i'm going to be able to do this like this is going to work for me um yeah i mean when i guess that moment was when uh, in 2016, when I mean, I was working up until 2016, like I said, just random jobs. And uh, I was working at a bar downtown LA at the time as a dishwasher and a bar back. And I was making enough to pay my rent and be okay. But I, at the same time, was making my music and learning how to um, sell beats. And I just, I DJ a lot in LA. And I realized for a few months in a row, I was making more money just doing my music than I was doing my job. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm going to just quit my job. And then I've just been doing the music since. Wow. That's, that's gotta be a good feeling. Like you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It was, it was a, (laughs) it was a great feeling. And still I feel very lucky and blessed. I mean, that was my dream growing up being able to, not have to clock in anywhere. And I mean, it's a lot, it's still a lot of work. Like it's probably what I have to do and keep up with every day is definitely harder than having to go into a job. Um, but being able to make your own hours and, and stuff aside from like when you're on tour. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the, that was the moment where I was like, I can do this when I was just learned how to financially make more money than I, than I was uh, working a job. Do you have any advice for people looking to follow a similar trajectory? Yeah, just get just if anybody does something enough, I think they'll get good at it unless it's just absolutely like not their thing. But um, 
I just think you just got to make stuff, make tons of stuff, work with whoever you can, reach out, don't be shy, release your music, don't care what people have to think, like make music that you like, not like what you think other people will like. Um, put it out there, like get your little branding together, how you want to be perceived and how you want to be looked at as an artist. Um, and just, just go for it fully. Don't quit your job and, and uh, like right away, you know, like learn how to balance both things before. Cause I see a lot of people like, still like they think like no i'm only gonna do my music and nothing else and i feel like they'll fall behind on their personal life or responsibilities and you have to learn how to balance everything before you like fully dive into it like as far as only doing music but yeah just just work on your craft as much as you can learn as much as you can take it take advice learn about whatever programs you're using, learn about whatever instruments you're using, learn about the history of whatever you're making and just, I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I, I think it's important <clears throat> that you said that, like you don't have to quit your job. You know what I mean? No. I mean, you didn't quit yours until 2016. Like, yeah. And I was making, I mean, I was making music since oh, for a long time, but I had a solid like three years where, from starting to make beats seriously before I decided to do that, but I made sure that I would be okay. Like I waited until I was like looking at my statements, like, okay, I can, I can afford to stop doing this if I keep up with how I'm working as an artist. Um, Cause nobody wants to go completely broke doing music. Like, I mean, I, it took me still, even when I was not working, I wasn't at making a ton of money. I was making enough to pay for my crappy apartment, you know, mm -hmm. and, and buy some ramen and stuff. But <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, just just be responsible at the same time, you know? Like nobody's a rock star immediately. Like you have to learn how to how to how to live that type of lifestyle. Well, and one thing that was really eye-opening when I started doing this show and getting to talk to like certain like guitar heroes of mine and like kind of really finding out how they live and how they've, you know, what their life's really like. And it's like, well, that's not that much different than mine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like a lot of times, like I don't, it was really eye opening just to see how many people that have this perceived level of, you know, success, you know, they're mm -hmm. doing fine. They're not hurting. They're not like yeah. struggling at all, but you know, they're basically like they live in a regular house. Yeah, they're normal. <laughs> they drive yeah. a Toyota Corolla. You know, they mm -hmm. they they're just regular. Yeah, people. I got my I got my Honda Civic. I've had a Civic for a long time. <laughs> I don't care to get a crazier car. I mean, part of that yeah. is like what lets you keep being able to do it too, right? Like not letting your lifestyle balloon to a point where now you need a crazy amount to sustain yourself, like trying to keep that stuff in yeah. check. Yeah. I just try to stay humble um, with my music and how I live life. And um, yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's good advice. Well, since supposedly this is a guitar podcast in theory, uh, you talked about your SG 
Do you have anything else in the in the stable? Yeah, I have. Um, I got last year a Jim Root Telecaster. Very cool. Um, which is really awesome. I that's what I tracked the second EP on. Um, the first one was the SG, uh, and then I have um, a Jazzmaster bass. Or whatever it's called, <laughs> jazz bass, jazz bass, yep. jazz bass, jazz bass. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have one of those. Um, Travis also has an SG. He also has this really crazy Ernie Ball guitar that's super awesome for heavy stuff. And then, yeah, we use either y'all strings or um, like Ernie Ball super slinkies and stuff. And then Ableton, you know, and then our plugins and. <clears throat> Travis has some pedals that I don't even know what he'd be using because, like, I'm not with him when he's like mixing stuff. Or, but we're about to go re-record the second EP on these uh, Les Paul Studios that we were able to get from from uh, Gibson. Nice. They like loaned us some for a few months, like some crazy expensive guitars that we couldn't afford at all. But we we're like, let's make this. Yeah, this EP is as good sounding as possible. Um, so yeah, I'm mainly. I mainly uh I want to buy Les Paul really bad, but right now I'm I'm mainly a Telecaster guy. I just have and then I have another Telecaster that my friend gifted me. So I only have three guitars and then one bass, but um my favorite is Les Paul's. And then my SG I have is like super heavy. I forget the exact model it is, but it's the one I'm playing in my um both music videos we have out. But uh, it's just super heavy. Like, it's really good to record with, but I can never play that thing, like, live or anything. Right. But Throw your back out. I really like, I really like tellies, and the gym root one is sick. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I don't even know what kind of drum set Derek has. <laughs> he has some, like, crazy custom. <laughs> he has some crazy custom kit, like, some really crazy stuff. Um but yeah, Travis, definitely have Travis on because he could give you the real rundown on like everything he uses to uh, to ma- to put it together because he's like our engineer for real. I just be playing my guitars straight into my interface and sending it to him and then like he sauces it up from there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. No, I'd love to have him on and he's got quite the story too. So that would be. Yeah, his story is pretty crazy. That would be a lot of fun. Mm hmm. So and then we use uh, oh, the yeah. mic I'm using right now is uh, uh, AKG C414. It's pretty sick. Um, yeah, and then we record on this mic. Travis has some other mics. Ask him about them. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you ever see yourself like getting into the pedal world and like really? Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. I'm just. Like I said, I was just in beats and I had no need for pedals for what I was doing with beats. I just used my like MIDI keyboard and all my plugins and then I have like a micro cord that I use too. Um but yeah, since uh since I'm back in the band world, I'm trying to collect a bunch of stuff, you know. I got um, I got Travis has a ton, Travis has a ton um but I just never really had money to buy pedals like that or like hardware in general. I always used crack software. I don't anymore, but up until like a couple of years ago, I just everything I would use to make music was free and 
I was really stingy. I never wanted to save up to to buy any hardware, but <laughs> now my now I'm about to go a little crazy right now. So if you have any recommendations for pedals you want to send me or anything for the type of stuff we do, send me some stuff. Hey, everybody, everybody listening, they, they're popping off. They could use some effects. But uh, Yeah, send us some stuff. We <laughs> Somebody sponsor us. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got some stuff I could send you to, uh, to explore, like see what you like. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got yeah, definitely. more than I need. I've been like researching a lot of like the bands that I grew up listening to, like Armor for Sleep and Seosin and Silverstein and stuff. I've been looking at like what their rigs and setups were like mm-hmm. and taking notes on those and um, looking up things to to cop and stuff. Because I, I mean, I can't help but be influenced by what I listened to growing up, and like I do want to have some similar sounds without like necessarily ripping them off, but being able to tweak it into my own. So I've been like looking up all those like gear checks and stuff like that. I, I actually am glad you brought up Seosin because they were the number one band that I thought of when I first heard you guys. I was like, this, yeah, this has serious Seosin vibes. Uh, our, um, our whole EP was almost based around their first EP. Oh really? We wanted it kind of, yeah, we wanted, we were listening to translating the name a lot. That's like me and Lotus and Zubin's like, some of our favorite stuff um and yeah how they had it was like five or six songs and they had the seven years acoustic i was like we need our own seven years you know um so we made that acoustic song and like even how that album uh salesman's first ep or whatever was mixed there were our original mixes um travis would send back would say like sales and mix (laughs) so yeah that's funny because it definitely makes sense. That's a that's a band that had a really interesting and like somewhat short-lived trajectory like for how much they influenced so many people and how like how hypey they were like how everyone was so pumped for that full length to come out. It's it's I still it's, love the full length too, but nothing beats that first EP. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. That's another thing too about ours is like we're we have our EP and then like our second EP coming out. Um, I could send you what we have so far, and then we have another surprise thing coming out that's not an EP that I'll tell you about off the off the air. Ooh, off the record, but, uh, the exclusive. Um, but um, yeah, we want to do this next EP with six songs and then work on a full length at the end of the year, dude. Um, to probably drop. Either at the, our EP will come out. Uh, we don't have a name for it or anything yet. We've been spitballing names, but that'll probably come out in like like April, I think. So is what it. we're aiming for. And then we want to work on. I would love to get signed in between April and the end of the year and just start writing the album and then have a full length out like next year. And hopefully that'll be closer to when touring happens. And that'll. That'll be funny because that means we've never even played a show and we've been a band for like three years. <laughs> three years with, you know, a decent sized fan base. Like, it's not like, yeah, it's not like you wouldn't have people showing up, you know? I, yeah, I think from the get go, we'll, we'll be, we'll be set. So I'm pretty stoked. It's actually kind of cool because we'll have a, a ton of music to be able to play, a ton of different types of sets to play instead of like, only being able to play one EP 
um, for like the first tour, we'll have you know two EPs and then hopefully an album. Yeah, that that's that's actually a really interesting way to go about creating a band. Like, I don't know that it's really been yeah. done in that way. I don't know how how many other bands started during quarantine either, <laughs> but I'm sure there's been a lot of projects. But we we wrote it. I we started recording and writing it in April of last year, and then we already put it out in like June or July. Right. We were only a band for like three months, and then put it out. Did it, did it get picked up pretty quick? Like, did people like? It seems like because I I started seeing articles about it like really fast seemingly to me yeah i think so because also all of us have our own solo careers like lotus is signed to epitaph zubin has his own career i produced for lotus a lot i produced for zubin a lot so it was kind of it it was kind i was i felt very lucky and blessed because all of our fans or most of them kind of rallied together like oh these people are collabing into some like quote-unquote super group and oh my god they have travis from from first to last Mm -hmm. like so there's a lot of fftl fans that came in and um like there was like maybe ten thousand followers on our instagram before we even had a song out whoa so really yeah we were just like teasing snippets and just telling people to follow it and uh had a youtube page ready to go our band camp and so it was kind of it was it was sweet it was a really nice rollout and got a lot of attention pretty quick from how we put it together and we definitely did it strategically and made sure our our people and fans knew exactly like what was about to come uh so yeah we're just trying to keep that hype up that's fantastic i i love it i love seeing i love seeing things work out for people who you know really put it in and really have a passion for it. And I love it when a plan comes together. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm really, I'm really happy with how things are going right now. Well, man, we're uh, approaching the hour mark. We're getting pretty close and I have a few classic Mm -hmm. questions to get into, but before we do that, this is the point where I like to let you put up a billboard. You know, if you have something you want to say to a few thousand people, you want to give a message to your aunt, you know, whatever it might be. This is your your chance to uh, take the floor. Um, I guess. I mean, shout out to everybody in my band: Lotus, Zubin, Derek, and Travis. Make sure you go check out everybody's solo endeavors. Um, Travis and Derek have a band that they've had for a long time called Color of Violence. Really awesome stuff. Um. Yeah, I don't know. We I'm working on a lot of I'm working on a new solo net arb album, just all of my beats and just having a few features on it that'll probably come out this year. Um we're always dropping music constantly as individual artists. Um but yeah, just make sure people stay tuned for uh for what's to come with If I Die First cuz it's if you liked the first EP, you'll like the next one even more. It's like the first one but like super juiced up mm. like on steroids it's i'm very proud of it um so yeah just stay tuned all right sounds good man all right this uh this first first of the last two questions i don't know if you'll have a good okay. answer for because you're not like a crazy gearhead like like a lot of people yeah 
but you might have an opinion. Yeah, on they probably think I'm lame. I'm just like <laughs> a writer. I like writing, and like I haven't had to use any any gear up until this year, really. So, uh, but yeah, shoot. Yeah. So the this is the this is one of the classic questions. What is your favorite boss pedal, if you have one? I don't have one. <laughs> I don't. I don't have one. I, that's I don't have that's fair one. enough. I'm man. lame. I, you could ask me anything about producing gear, and I would be able to tell you something. But I'm still learning this band, this new band stuff through Travis. Um, but yeah, I thought that I don't have a favorite. I thought that might be the answer, but that's okay. Yeah. Hey. That, that just means you have a whole world ahead of you. I have a whole world, yeah. And, like, I can teach the gearheads about producing and equipment you need for that all day. So if you guys have uh, things you think I should cop or suggest, send my way because I'm, I'm down to learn. I'm a student. All right. Well, we're going to get you educated up real good. This is going to be fun. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> all right. Last question. And this is the one that gets a little dicey gets a little controversial um you know families break up over it and all that stuff Mm -hmm. what kind of pizza do you like oh i just had some pizza yesterday um my favorite pizza in the world is from ian's pizza in milwaukee wisconsin and it's a mac and cheese pizza Ooh, so good um but my go-to is people might hate me for this but I'm a I'm a pineapple boy. I'm a ham oh, pineapple boy. Now. I'm a Hawaiian. I'm a Hawaiian guy. Um, I like that. That's like my go-to with a little ranch on the side. Oh, uh, you're killing me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, but the best pizza, if and if anybody's ever in LA, this is a super plug. My friend just opened up a new pizza shop in Mid City called Bootleg Pizza. It's made out of sourdough crust, Ooh. and they have this this slice called a hot jimmy where it's um it's like sausage and basil and mozzarella cheese and they pour this like hot honey on the top of it that sounds so good and uh they have uh artichokes on it as well i'm pretty sure and it's it goes insane oh how about you what's your favorite um i tend to like a really good new york slice i really like you know something from like joe's in new york or just that yeah that style i really I really like it. I I didn't buy into the hype for years until I actually visited and tried it. And I was like, oh, people are right. They're right. This is special. Yeah. I love I love New York slices too. Nothing beats it. LA really had a like a, it's kind of hard. There's a few good pizza places, but nothing beats like New York and Chicago. I love Chicago deep dish. I love thin New York stuff. Um what what else? I, the thing is though with me is like I can barely handle dairy anymore. Like I cheese like will destroy my stomach, and it sucks because I love cheese. Oh man! Like, so I can only eat pizza maybe once every two months these days. But yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I'm a I like weird pizzas. I like mac and cheese pizzas <laughs> like crazy, crazy good, like so good. That does sound good. Um, yeah, it's really good. But you don't like ranch on pizza, huh? No, I'm not a ranch pizza guy, and I'm I I'm not a pineapple guy. But I and, and you know this is before like I've been saying this since, like I said on this show since like 2015. I was like, listen, it isn't because I don't like I that like 
it's not anything to do with the combo. For some people, it's the combo, right? They don't like the sweet mm-hmm. with the pizza. I understand that. Um, for me, it's I don't really like pineapple, period. Like, I don't really like it. That's, it has nothing to do yeah. with whether it's on pizza or not. I just don't generally like pineapple. And I don't know if that's extra weird or if it's less weird or what, but... No, that's fine. It's <laughs> understandable. It's just people think mixing, like, fruit and certain things is like weird but uh i don't know i'm into it i'll i'm honestly though like the least picky eater ever like i'll eat anything that's put in front of me for the most part i like all i like all pizza but i mean a classic pepperoni is great too but i i really just like i'll just go to my friend's pizza spot bootleg and get that hot jimmy slice i was talking about sounds awesome um yeah super good make sure to if you're ever over here, stop by there. We'll do. We'll do. And if you're ever in mm-hmm. the, in the Portland, Oregon area, I'll take you to some spots. Oh yeah, you're in Portland, Oregon, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. We we recently had during like during 2020 one of the best pizza places open. Like I'm so astonished. It's so good. It's called Demos. What's it? I feel it. Like, is there any more of those? Any Demos or Dinos? Uh, Demos with a M like Oh, okay. Like a monster. I went to like a super, super good. What is the pizza place? I went to a pizza place and they were playing like black metal and death metal. Oh, that was probably Sizzle Pie. Yeah, Sizzle that pie. place is, is bomb. Yeah, Sizzle Pie is great. It's great. That's one of our best like yeah. slice shops for sure. And yeah, they're always playing something insane. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely it. Yeah, Sizzle Pie. And there's several mm-hmm. locations in Portland. Um, it's a good spot. Sizzle Pie is yeah. a solid go to. Super good. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast to get yeah, to know you a little bit. Thank you for having me. And uh, everybody, go check out "If I Die First And you know, please, please do. It's my favorite thing I've ever done musically. Awesome, I love that. All right, everybody. For Ned, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you enjoy all the episodes, and. If you need more of this conversation and you'd like to help support the show, keep the lights on and all that jazz, you can go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash tone mob, where for just five bucks a month, you can get extra content beamed directly to your ears every week, including more of this conversation. And it got pretty wild. I'm, uh, yeah, it got real wild, actually. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. Um, let's see. What else? If you're a fan of Seos and from first to last, obviously, you know, that kind of thing, you got to check it out. It's going to make you feel all of the feelings. I really, really like it. And they have some new music coming out really, really soon that I'm super stoked on. Uh, I got a, I did, I got a little sneak peek and it's some good, good stuff. So get pumped for that. And again, if you haven't heard my record yet, it's called Tom, Do You Have Anything Sharp on You? And it is on the episode right before this. I'd love to hear what you think about it. Give it a listen and shoot me an email, shoot me a text, shoot me a message, wherever you normally talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about it. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's keep keep it cool, everybody. Keep it cool. Be nice to each other. All that jazz. All right. Later. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, 
and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.